Voice of America, Washington, D.C., signing on. Contra, the podcast of AmericanPartisan.org, RushMeter.org, and hosted by me, number one best-selling author on Amazon, the author of The Gorilla's Guide to the Bowfing Radio. If you don't have your copy yet, what is wrong with you? Get out there, get it today. It makes the perfect stocking stuffer and is a must-have accessory, so you got 25 Bowfings sitting in an ammo can, buried in a yard somewhere. What are you doing, Jack? What are you doing? You ain't got no clue how to use them. This book I wrote for you, how to run this radio in an austere environment. But we're talking about that more later on down the road, of course. Uh, We've got Christmas coming up. We've got All kinds of good times on the calendar. A lot of people are going to be spending a lot of time with family over the next week. And, of course, going into the new year. And today I have the very uh, wonderful pleasure to be sitting down with a guy who, as it turns out, is a neighbor of mine. And happens to also be a YouTube phenomenon on the internet of course a lot of you guys have seen his videos out there he's getting to be pretty well known he's got some interesting and wonderful takes on preparedness small unit tactics and guerrilla operations i'm joined by the one the only mr risky Krisky. what's up brother not much man how you doing oh i'm doing i'm doing <laughs> Sipping uh, this delicious Raven Morrison style lager from Lowe's Foods, and uh, it's excellent. I can say there it's excellent. I got the gas station IPA, so you know I'm on board. But I happen to know that the gas station you got that IPA from has a regular, uh, wonderful supply of of great IPAs and just a, a great beer selection in general so when when you say you know gas station ipa what you mean to say is is you're drinking a wonderful beer yeah they have the uh, the local selections so i should have maybe clarified there it's not just some you know shit ass you know run-of-the-mill cooler beer it's the local it's the low <laughs> special you probably have seen it you know i just oh, yeah. the gas station oh 
Yeah, it's it's uh you know, it's one of the neat things about North Carolina, especially like Central North Carolina right now, Western North Carolina too. But um, you know, Western North Carolina kind of led the charge on it. The the whole craft beer scene in Asheville and. Uh, there's a brewery down in Waynesville now, and there's a couple that have popped up and Boone and Blowing Rock, and like it's this whole wonderful community, man. So like, you know, Central North Carolina, of course, we've got uh, Red Oak, which is one of my favorite beers, just in general, is one of my favorite beers, and and we've 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 got a hell of a good beer scene, man. Um, you know, it, it's it's nice to see. Oh, yeah. I drive by the Red Oak uh, plant all the time. But, yeah, it's uh, (laughs) – some of y'all out there are like, well, this is a podcast. You got Risky Krisky on here. We're going to be talking about beer. Hell, yeah, we're going to be talking about beer. Uh, But, no, not (laughs) really. Um, (laughs) So, brother, there's there's a mountain – of questions that I think probably everybody uh, wants to ask and, and would want to ask, you know, your name is, is come up a lot by guys who live local here in North Carolina uh, that I've had the pleasure of having in class, always in a good context, by the way, things like, man, that, that guy brings up a lot of valid points. His videos are really well done. Have you ever met him? You know, no, it, uh, up until now, you know, randomly, you reached out on Twitter and we linked up and, you know, here, here we are. So, you know, what quickly kind of, you know, your, your backstory, what brought you to making videos and, and getting into this whole prepper thing and, you know, getting people switched on and informing folks out there and, um, you know, really in, in the world of, of Risky Krisky, what brought you from, let's say, you, you know, your origin story and your whole backstory, what brought you, for, you know, your background into where we are today? <clears throat> well, um, I guess, uh, you know, the funny thing is it, it stems back to like 9-11. And I haven't really put these two together now, but I have had a couple of these gas station beers and I've got a vibe going. So I'm just going to roll with it. So like 9-11 comes around and I'm like in sixth grade, I think. Yeah, sixth grade. And uh, I see the second plane hit, you know, on the news, right, on the TV, in the classroom, I'm at school. And we get sent home and it just that impacted me so much that like I just had this fascination with my buddies in school and their older siblings that were like going off to war right they were infantrymen most of them honestly were in the marines Uh, i was in the army and everything but like i just looked up to these guys and they were this was when myspace and facebook was you know sort of at its peak and i'm seeing all the pictures and i'm just like i gotta go um i've got a calling to go i want to go in the military uh, I wanted to, I wanted to be a Navy SEAL. I wanted to do all this cool stuff. You know, I was on the swim team in high school and uh, I go through the process, you know, going into the, the military and I, you know, you kind of figure out where your path is going to be. Went through all the recruiter options and everything. And I was like, well, you know, looking back, thank God I didn't join the Navy, <laughs> join the Navy. But, uh, 
you know, do all that, go in the military, deploy. And, you know, I don't have any special anything. My story is run of the mill at best. Right. I don't have anything to write home about. Um, the, you know, one of the biggest things in my military career was an accident that happened towards the end of my career, uh, <laughs> as short as it was. Right. So get out. And um, I was using the GI Bill. I was thinking about, you know, I, I was familiar with, you know, handling a rifle and a gun. And I was like, I want to do this for real. And I had some buddies who were like, go to the FBI, try to get into the HRT if you can. And I was like, I was kind of going down that path. Um, end up, you know, as God would have it, seeing a car accident. And uh, I witnessed it firsthand, got out and helped. And the lack of anyone else helping due to the, the amount of, like, the volume of traffic and everything and the severity of the accident, it was very, it was, like, disturbing for me. And I was like, I, if none of these people are willing to help when it's right in front of their face and they obviously see somebody's dying and needs help and they're not, like, I... I have, I dropped what I was doing. I joined the volunteer fire department, um, went to EMT school, went through the fire academy, did the volunteer thing for a little bit while I finished up my schooling, went professional as a firefighter, did that for a little bit, um, got out, went into the civilian world for the strict purpose of uh, the amount of money I had the opportunity to make. So I, I changed paths there and went into business. Uh, so to speak. And um, I learned a lot about managerial stuff that I hadn't had previously because, you know, I did, I got out of the army as an E4. I, I more or less got out of the fire service as the same sort of thing, if you want to think about it in that capacity, right? But like I had, a, I was much higher trained in the fire service in comparison. I had a ton of stuff under my belt as a firefighter. And uh, get out, I go into the business world, and I'm learning these tasks of like, okay, so if I scale my business to this level, I got to hire these people, I have to worry about this. And it's like, it really gave me an overall, like an umbrella view of the things I didn't realize before. And then, uh, you know, I am a little bit risky, you know, which is why I go with the Risky Crisky name and <laughs> ended up getting fired for fun purposes and, and stuff like that. So, <laughs> I love it. Oh, I love it. Yeah. Ah, you trolled the world, though. You, you know, if, when people... A, a pretty epic That's banner. the funny thing. Dude, people are like, you're a fed, you're all this. I'm like, if you only knew, like, who I was, and you just Googled my fucking name, like, <laughs> you'd probably laugh. Like, you'd be like, no, this guy's definitely an idiot. <laughs> like, that's... it's So it's funny to me, but, like... Uh, so I, uh, you know, I'm in between jobs and, you know, I, I started watching Such and Nothing Fancy back in the day when there was nothing else out there, man. And I've just splurged the philosophy of the, of use of these, you know, size and weight constraint, PCC, P, you know, whatever the fuck he's talking about and rambling for hours on end. I was just falling asleep to it just because there's nothing else out there. And I find myself searching for videos because I'm like, you know. I see what's going on with the coof and everything else. And, uh, you know, I almost went to January 6th, dude. I got a guy who told me on January 5th to cancel my freaking hotel. And I did. And I, 
he was right. Like they probably would have raided my house or something had I gone. And uh, that was like huge for me. I was like, oh my gosh, like what is happening in our country? And I'm like YouTube and videos of like, how do I avoid Antifa and, you know, do this shit. And I'm like, nobody's writing about this. And I was like, you know, who am I subscribed to? And I see these guys and I'm like, well, they're putting out stuff that I could have. Some of them I could do it better, but like, if I'm searching for it and it's not on the platform, there's probably other people searching for it. So I just took the little bit of leap of faith and it, you know, it's cringy and amateurish as it still probably is, but uh, it's kind of worked out more or less. And it's not, um, it's not that I'm good at it. It's uh, I've been lucky and I've had a lot of people that help me along the way. And, you know, if it works out, it works out, but the goal isn't, um, views and and making money off of it the whole the goal the whole time has been to just provide some bit of information that i can speak confidently on to a certain degree because I, I stay out of a lot of things because that's not my lane you know i would be there's people that should speak on that and it's not me so it's hit or miss it's very niche but um yeah I, i'm very thankful to be well, in the position i'm in Oh, for sure, man. For sure. You know, that's the thing. Like you, you mentioned some of the, the, you know, older names, well recognizable names in, in kind of the YouTube creator community. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, those guys have been around for a really long time. And here's the thing. Like when you're you're a content creator, it doesn't matter what the platform is, whether it's, you know, YouTube or uh, WordPress, where, you know, I primarily was or doing a podcast uh, like like this one with Radio Contra or whatever it is, man, whatever, whatever it is like there has to be. You know, and th this is kind of a, a little bit of free advice for any of the, you know, the, the would be uh, content creators out there, you know, and, and I've I've offered to help out mentor give a platform to, to anybody really that that desires it but uh you know you you gotta have a unique voice you know it, to borrow a term from the entertainment industry like you, you gotta have kind of a shtick to it you know like you 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 so all right there's there's a hundred people out there who are putting out the same content like there, there's a hundred people who put out a review of like whatever the the latest and greatest friggin' handgun is or rifle is or, or whatever your you know piece of gear is right. But and that that's all good and well, but nobody's heard your review, and so very quickly, why are they gonna listen to you? You know, and so uh, that that is that that's a fundamental question so like the, these guys that you mentioned that's been around for a long time people watch them and listen to them because they're older voices because they've been around for a long time so it's like okay you know this guy's doing this for a really long time and has been doing this so this is kind of a voice of longevity here and some of the younger guys that are getting into it well you know they, they kind of have that uphill battle why should somebody dedicate 10, 15, 20 minutes, whatever, to a video that a guy is making that you don't know who they are or what their background is? And you have to, as a viewer, they got to ascertain that in a short amount of time. Why is this guy's video? There's been a lot of videos that I've seen, and I don't watch a lot of uh, you know entertainment stuff on the Internet because I don't really have time for it. And to be quite honest, there's really not much new 
under the sun for me. Like I, I'm a big music guy. You know, I use the internet to stream music for the most part because that's that's just me. That, that's that's what I do. Um, but you gotta you gotta kind of put your unique spin on stuff, and I think that you have very effectively done that. You have found a certain niche and by like by your own admission, what you were saying, you're like people call you fed or whatever. Uh, well that, that fed label, man, like whatever. I, like I've had people call me that online. Okay. You know, whatever, like your, your opinion is yours, but you know, you can, you, when, when you, you see the results of all right look at the good that's going on here the content speaks for itself and the quality of the content speaks for itself and i think that that you've you've been able to uh create a a unique niche for yourself uh in in youtube that has been very very interesting it's it's certainly worked to your benefit um what was your impetus for starting to to make videos I guess it goes back to the lack of content specifically on topics I was searching. <clears throat> and, it, it, you know, it, the funny thing about that is the further I get into this YouTube stuff, the more I realize that stuff is out there and it's being shadow banned. <laughs> oh, like, like, and some oh, of yeah. these guys just, 100%. you know, some of them are dumbasses and they, they put out stuff that is like, you're asking to go to jail by putting this out there. So that's one aspect of it. And some of them have gone to jail and I'm not going to mention their name here, but it's probably pretty obvious to those of you, you know, who know who I'm getting at. Like, um, I I would want to find something. And I was like, who's the authoritative source here? And it's like, you got Navy seal, this you've got green beret, Delta force, this Marine, this. And I was like, you know, I don't I, and this is no offense to anybody listening to it. I don't identify with regular army guys. Like I identify with paratroopers and I kind of identify with guys with like, I, I, I'm not a ranger or anything, but like those guys are kind of cool. And it's like, I know a lot of guys who, who are like in the army and they're like not fucking cool. And it's not, like, it's not anything personal. It's just like, you know, we're not in the same wavelength, if you will. And finding that I don't like finding like, hey, I like all these infantry Marines. We're on the same wavelength. Or like, I see these other dudes over here. We're on the same wavelength. It's like nobody in the army is on the fucking same wavelength as me. And then I find this guy and his name. Uh, what is his name? Uh, oh, God. I'm, I'm losing it right here. I can't even remember. Uh, Dugan Ashley. <laughs> And I find this guy Dugan oh, yeah. Arnicon, yeah. and I'm like, this guy's a paratrooper? And I'm like, his content yeah. is right up my alley. I look at the humor's on point. And then he stops creating content. And I'm like, the one dude who I related to doesn't even make content anymore. And it's like now, and I've tried, I haven't, you know, given it my full college try, but I, I want to do right by, by him. Right. Like he set the standard for being a paratrooper on in this realm of YouTube. And I want like I I want his blessing to have little googly eyed targets come out and me scream and be scared by him and shoot him. Like that's that's so fucking funny and just humorous (laughs) to me. And it's like but but he's the goat. Right. Like in this. So I want to live up to that. Yeah. 
But in the same regard, it's like I want to hear somebody splurge for 30 minutes straight on why this gun that I bought is the right gun to reinforce so I can sleep well, but also give me straight advice and not just be an idiot. Right. Like, don't don't be coming from uh, an uninformed position. So I guess that's really to answer your question. In a extremely internet. long. Format. You know, it's yeah, 100 percent, man. Um, Dugan Ashley. Incarnate Khan, man, it, it, I tell you what, he, he, he was, he was one of the few guys, there's a, there's a couple others out there, but he was one of the few guys, is, I mean, he's still around, he's not making videos anymore, because his personal health and, and everything, but, uh, what an entertainer, man, his, that video uh, of the AK versus the AR, that, I still like if if I'm having like a stressful day or whatever, I go and I watch that video and I'm like, holy shit, man, this is this is just the like, oh, it was it, it's so hysterical, and that, that you're exactly right, man. That that very unique sense of like, you know, it, it's not necessarily gallows humor, but it's it's just funny, man. It, it's. And he he had a very unique because, again, there's nothing new under the sun. And there's only, you know, how many gun reviews can you watch? How many uh, prepper videos can you watch of like, oh, this is how you make a fire? Okay, you know, like, all right, well, I can sit there and I can blister my hands up, you know, like seer school style, trying to use a magnesium bar or I can go, you know literally any corner of the earth and get a big lighter. Like, you know, I, I don't I mean, all, all that shit's cool. Like feather sticking and stuff. All that's cool. But you know, like realistically, it's the same like, reason nobody's yeah. searching CQB videos now. It's so played out. Like you can search and there's oh a million God. of them out there by a million well, different special operations pros who do, you know, it's like, what spin do you want? And there's 10 videos in HD yeah filmed professionally for your viewing pleasure right and the thing is is like kind of the inside baseball on the on the trainer industry end of things is that you know there's a lot of egos to be had and and those videos serve as a sales pitch i mean i don't know i might get some hate mail for saying that but but it it, it, it's a fact like that's it's a sales pitch the recognition symbol. Yeah. No, you're yeah, right. It, it, you know, oh, I, well, I made this video on this topic. And, you know, like with CQB, there's nothing new under the sun, man. I remember, um, you know, like when, when we were doing all the shoot houses, learning all the fun CQB stuff and like doing that day in, day out. I remember like uh, thinking like there's some things that about this that like we could do a different way or probably do a better way. And then lo and behold, like later on in my career, coming across older editions of uh, FM 7-8, which is an infantry uh, squad and platoon, and uh, the older editions of the Ranger Handbook from like the late 80s. And they had Mount in there. And they had urban operations stuff in there. And I was like, why weren't we just doing this? Because this seems like this made more sense than what we were doing. Um, I don't know. That stuff it, written it, by the guys who were finally in their retirement, borderline retirement ages that were McAvee SOG dudes in Vietnam. Yeah. And they finally have the chance to get those things published. Yeah. yeah. And it, exactly. it was like, 
we kept trying to reinvent the wheel. And it seems like, you know, we we end up going back to the old school stuff because the old school stuff was what worked. You know, and, and there was a reason that it was old school. And it was because it worked then. Like they, they were trying to do weird, you know, new, unique stuff. And I mean, Vietnam was a good uh, uh, kind of paradigm of that, of like the early 1960s, like 1965. 1965 to about 67, early 68, you had the, the Army and, you know, the Marine Corps as well, you know, Mac, Mac V. Sog, which was kind of a new thing at the time. They were doing stuff based on what was learned, the lessons learned in Korea. And then they started changing everything and changing it all. And then by about 1975, they went back to the old stuff that they were doing. Because, it, you know, everything revolves in a circle. And so, like, Iraq, we took all the lessons from Iraq and tried to apply it to Afghanistan. That didn't work, you know. And, and then you had, to, you, you had to turn around and go back to the old school stuff in Afghanistan and, like, dust off the traditional thing, traditional ways things were done. I don't know, man. I, I just – I read um, uh, SOG. Um Oh, well, I don't remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Plaster's book. And I read that in Afghanistan <laughs> yeah. and it was like, good one. All of a sudden I had this epiphany that, you know, I was reading some of the vignettes that were in there and I was like, these, these are the situations we're getting caught up in. Like our, you know, it, it, there's a little bit, little bit of difference here. Like they're in heavy, thick vegetation. The engagement range is, you know, 25 meters at most. And for us, it's obviously much longer, but the principles are the same. It's so, like those situations were, were like magnified. If you look at those, it's like that's the worst scenario, and you can just sort of zoom out from there. I agree. Yep. I, I was never in those situations like you're saying in Afghanistan or anything, but like that's my thought when I, when I hear these stories or I listen to like Sogcast, like Jocko's thing that he started with Tilt. Um, it's the same yeah. exact reason. And I look at, I look at this and I'm like, okay, we've got these SOG guys, right? And you've got everyone now and they're looking at, you know, wh- what do I train for? How do I go about this? And it's like, who were the baddest dudes to do this ever? Who, who had the most odds against them? What were the oh, most yeah. extreme circumstances? And it's like, it's not that it's saying it couldn't get worse than that. Of course, it could always be a little bit worse. But like, this is sort of like the limit. So if you look at this, and then you tone it down and scale it down to your level, it's like, okay, well, then you have your floor and your ceiling of probabilities. So it's like, okay, on the high end of what we carry, what we can do, what our limitations are, and then on the low end of what we have to do, no less than, and that sort of thing. And uh, that little takeaway for me is huge. And and here's another one, but you're going to love this. So I have, my little brother is an active duty 11 Bravo right now. And I've been, I told him not to go in. He's, he's a lower enlisted. For, you know, I never thought I'd have to tell somebody that don't go in somebody motivated. I never thought I'd do it. But now that's what I'm telling people. Don't go. in. And uh, he didn't listen to me and he went in anyway. Um, and he's hating life now. 
due to his circumstances. But I mean, we were talking, and I was like, um, we were talking about like rucksacks and stuff, and, and we referred back to Mac B. Salt. And he's like, you know what? He goes, I asked in front of my whole platoon, does who here knows what Mac B. Sog was? He goes, you know what? Not one person raised their hand. The PL, the platoon sergeant, everyone was there. Not one person knew what Mac B. Sog was. He's in an active duty infantry platoon. He was the only one, and he's an E3. So let, just the lessons learned there aren't even known by most. And that, and the unfortunate thing is, I didn't know what Mac B. Sog was either. So I, it's not like me pointing the finger at them per se. I was ignorant as well. But the fact that that's not known, except if you go through, you know, the JFK Special Warfare School, they're all taught that, right? But it's like the average guy doesn't even know the base stories of this stuff. And it's like, how the fuck are we going to succeed if that's a, one of the the one of the limiting factors is your base understanding of history and knowledge of the most in-depth topic on the subject or, or, or like people who've done the things right like it's kind of ridiculous i think and I, I think part of it's on purpose you know if if you have that disconnect with your forebears do your forebears even exist you know, it, it, it's it, it's one of those deals. Like if if you it erase only history, as long as you remember it, yeah, exactly. It, it, and when you erase history and that connection with it, you know, you that that grants power to whoever is in charge of you. Like that that's the reason that the communists are, are you know toppling all the statues, digging up the bones of of uh, General Hill. That's the reason they're doing that stuff because when you no longer have a connection to history. It doesn't matter, you know. We, we, the the present is not the arbiter of history, okay? History stands on its own, for good or bad. And when when we no longer have a connection to that or a respect for that, that's when, you know, you you are opening up a society to all sorts of internal problems, you know the. When you have completely subverted a society and when we apply that model to military context, you know, Mac V. Sog, there was a time that everybody wanted to identify with them because and I'm not talking about the Vietnam generation. I'm talking about, you know, when I was in Afghanistan, everybody, everybody, you know, in, in uh, uh, Special Operations Task Force South. Afghanistan, everybody wanted to identify with Mac V. Sog. Or the old long range patrol guys. Uh, you know, yeah, long range patrol, which is. The LERPs, and yeah. then that, you know, people realized LERPs were RL, or LRS. And then yep. it kind of went from there. I think it, and maybe I'm wrong, I think it had something to do with the YouTube stuff. Like with, because LERP documentary started coming out, and then yeah. the Jocko with the Sog cast. So there were uh, there were actually two different entities. So a lot of people don't know this, but with uh, long range patrol. So my my unit, long range surveillance unit, is a direct descendant of uh, the in, in the one that I was in. Was a direct descendant of a long range patrol unit in Vietnam uh, for 18th Airborne Corps, and the uh, the so. 
you had long range reconnaissance patrol, which was a division level asset. And then you had long range patrol LRP. So you had LRRP and then you had LRP. They were two. Uh, I don't want to say that one was necessarily a. Uh, well, it, yeah, in, in reality, it was one was was a, a tier above the other. Well, if you they, have a the divisional two asset conflate. and one above a divisional asset, right? Like, of course, it would be. Yeah. 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 So, so that's cool. There's, uh, I didn't know that. A lot of people don't. A lot of people don't. And um, Don Hall, who wrote I Served, uh, he, he wrote about uh, FCO 51st in Vietnam. Uh, excellent book. Uh, Gary Linderer's Six Silent Men's great series, too. I know there, there was there's some drama between Gary Linderer and the rest of the community, because there always is, you know, those guys, there's always some sort of drama, but I mean, whatever that aside, um, point is, is that there's, there's a lot of lessons. And, uh, Charles Sasser is another one. And I bring him up in class with one shot, one kill, which, uh, from the Marine Corps side of things with the, the development of the scout sniper program in Vietnam, but very similar. Very, very similar, very similar. Uh, the, the stories are very similar, you know, and, and that was a series of vignettes. And Sasser gives his own story, but then he writes down uh, and, and puts to paper the stories of a lot of people he worked with as well, which is very unique. And um, I, I think that, that those books are worth their weight in gold. But, you know, when you erase that history and, uh, you know, the the army unfortunately has a really bad habit of doing this of taking lineage from from very strong uh highly selective and elite units and applying it to units that maybe you know shouldn't maybe don't fit the bill Let, let's put it that way Let, let's you know i don't want to say it's politically correct but let's just let's just put it that way uh, for various purposes. I mean, you know, they 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 do this. They they shape shift from time to time, and um, that, that's that's precisely what they do. But they they reawaken units' histories when it's convenient, um, and, and seek to erase it at other times when when it's not so convenient. That's pretty unfortunate. But shifting gears just a little bit, something that that I really want to talk to you about because I think that uh, through your videos and, and through your own knowledge base and, and your experience and everything you bring to the table, and you've got a very unique twist on this, but I think in a, in a, a great one, is the concept of operating unsupported. You know, this, this is uh, as, as fighting as guerrillas, fighting as partisans, fighting as uh, fighters that are not working with a outside support structure, right? You know, we know that, that a guerrilla's mission above all is to fight on part of the people, right? You're a man of the people and the guerrilla has to operate within the parameters of, of a society and, and on part of the society for social change. And, you know, you, your concept of working unsupported, no military force behind you because you've seen the realities of the support structure that it takes to field an airborne squad, an airborne platoon, an airborne company, airborne battalion, airborne brigade 
all of the infantrymen. And, you know, when you got out, you realized, as I did and as a lot of other people did, you looked around. Hey, buddy, we ain't got all that. Uh, there ain't no pallet of MREs that's going to get dropped from the sky. Right. We call up that that under report for a cache. Right. It, that stuff ain't happened. Uh, so. Quickly. You know, or or as elaborate as you want to be, what is some of your advice, uh, some of your you, that, that you've kind of distilled down on operating unsupported, some of those lessons that you've learned, weapons selection, kit loadout, um, you know, what you carry to the field when you go to the field. Talk talk me through some of that. Well, I think just to start off, uh, one note I can take from this already is I need to just put like quickly in quotes, you know, quickly, you know, dash <laughs> NC Scout. And I need to have that well, bro, we, we, I, I didn't when I record. I can't stop talking sometimes. It's like, shut the no, fuck you're up. All get to the point. <laughs> I looked up here and realized, man, it feels like we just got started. We're 35. Well, we've been talking a while before 36. this. Yeah, no, we're good. Well, of course. We're pre-gamed. I like that, though. That made things so much more just chill. That was, you know, that's professional level stuff that you got going on with that. I, I applaud you in front of the people some, for that one. Some people say it's unprofessional, but I say, no, you know, no, results speak for themselves. <laughs> I've been on a few podcasts, and, uh, you know, I like it better when there's a little just a pregame. That, that's definitely yeah. the way to go. Little, little lube. Little lube. Yeah. yeah, that's right. The NPA lube. Make sure you have it. It's critical. People don't realize it. So, Spit on. <laughs> the blood, oh. yeah, it works, but, you know, you don't want to do that. <laughs> so, <laughs> what was the question? Holy shit. Um, okay, so. Go into the forty. Um, unsupported. So this is a funny one for me. And it, it, it's one of those things. It's like borderline. Everything I do revolves around this. So I have to take, it's like when you, when people say met TC, it's like, this is, you know, mission as far as the, the acronyms concerned, like, yeah, but it's like, on top of this, like, do I even have the, the shit to do this in the first place? Like do any, anything after this, like, do I have the people in place? Do I have the resource? Do I have any of this? Because it's not like I'm just calling higher and they're going to provide it because that doesn't exist. So it's like, um, <clears throat> but I was alluding to this before we, you know, turned the the record button on. I got a buddy, and they they read a lot and they understand history and how things generally turn out if we're going to repeat it or be anywhere similar. And so it's like I understand that at some point action is taken and people don't want to get caught, and it's like you got to. It, you have to literally operate kind of on your own and quietly until it escalates. And maybe it does, maybe it doesn't. It just depends on how that, you know, things work out. But in that, it's like, you cannot do it on your own. So one of the biggest things I take in to consideration, and, and I have a podcast on it's like the MacGyver mindset. Like I have to have the ability to understand all of my resources, my capabilities and my limitations and those who can help me all the time at a moment's notice. And I have to be able to do that in a, in a very fast paced, critical thinking sort of mentality. Um, a worst case scenario, right? Best case scenario. I'm like, okay, I'm setting up, like I need to meet 
people that have influence in my area, right? Or I need to meet people that have food or who are in the firearms or defense industry or like local sheriffs or police people or politicians or whatever, because it's like, if you don't, well, then guess what? You don't have that later on. So it, yeah, it might be weird to try to know everybody and to have like rapport with a bunch of people. But if you don't have that, then guess what? You're limited by those relationships. So it's like, if people see me now, if they trust me now, if they at least know what I'm about now, or if I'm smart about it, maybe they don't need to know what I'm about and I keep them at arm's length, right? Um, having all that set up in advance, having these people skills and the, the friendships and the understanding, as I like to call it, the tactical understanding of what's really going on and how you can use that for your benefit. But, but also like the driving force here, sounds like manipulation. Yeah, maybe tactically it is manipulation, but like at the grand scheme of things, it's like trying to just avoid conflict and avoid war and make things better, right? So like if we right. can do that without like, like art of war stuff, if we can avoid fighting, then guess what? You've already won. Like, let's do that. So yeah. taking that out of the context, like if we are thinking there's a fight, like it would behoove me to have all the police, all the first responders, all the radio comms people, all the medical people, all the wealthy individuals, politicians, people of power on my side, recognizing I'm one of them. So it, you, it's not possible to do that 100%, but getting no. yourself out there is a good start. So being a person of the people, you know, say, showing face here, introducing yourself. You know, it's weird when you're an autistic internet creep, you know, but like if you can just <laughs> do it a little bit, like it gets easier as it goes on. Well, it, it, it's about building that hegemony, you know, and, and that, that's the, the social science term for it. Spit that out there. It's a, you know, hegemony is, is exactly what you described and, and that, that soft power aspect of it. it it's the, the more technical term for it is hegemony. And uh, now, I mean, you're exactly right, though. And when, when I say that, that all politics is local, and I've said that over and over again, because conservatives have this problem that they only focus on national level politics. You know, and they, they look to that one guy, right? It's, it's the big man syndrome, right? That one guy that's going to save everything. He's going to fix everything. Right, like Trump. Trump was gonna be the guy that was gonna fix everything. Trump didn't fix nothing. He wasn't gonna fix nothing. Okay, he didn't fix anything. I I like Trump. I liked him. Um, I you know I, I liked some of his policies. I what I liked best about Trump was the fact that he trolled the shit out of the left. And they lost their collective minds over it. Um, that That's that was great. great. I agree. That's my favorite part about him: the trolling. Yeah, but <laughs> a, as a president did a shitty fucking job did a shitty better. job he, i mean he everything that he said that he was gonna do when he went to washington he didn't do any of it the None only thing it. i give props on is he didn't start another war that's really about that's it real yeah but did he see well, when, yeah, when, like right. he didn't you're start right. another one but he perpetuated syria um you know the he, lack of like, action 
Yeah, it was. It, it, well, it, it wasn't even that. I knew. So I knew the Trump presidency was over. The honeymoon was over when he launched an attack on that air base in Syria. And they hit it with, you know, the tomahawks and, and whatever else we hit it with. I knew it was over then um, because, you know, and then, then he goes on TV. And, and, and of course, I wasn't shocked. You know, he, he's, oh, my daughter, my daughter showed me the pictures of these little kids and they had the white powder on them. It's like, come on, man. Like, dude, it's it's all over the Internet. The white helmets. Come on. Like, look, you know. All right. So there's a civil war going on there by a faction that there's some inconvenient pictures of John McCain uh, financing before this whole thing came came about. Right. Like before the whole thing kicked off, John McCain's right out there, bro. Like, did you find his trolling of John McCain funny? Because I did. I mean, I felt bad, but like I thought it was funny. Uh I mean, I, I thought know. it was funny. I, John, John McCain's, a, you know, a demon. So, uh, and John McCain gave us Obama. So, you know, I, 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 I thought it was distasteful, though. It was. It, it, it was it, definitely it, distasteful. But it was it wasn't humorous, yeah. But it is kind of distasteful. I don't know. Uh, I'm kind of guy. If I don't like somebody, I ain't gonna clown on you. I'll just tell you. I mean, I might make fun of you if it's convenient to me. But but I'm gonna go for the throat. And just tell you, motherfucker, I don't like you. Uh, <laughs> you know, like this. You know, we 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 could joke about it later. But I'll tell you, if I, if I don't like somebody, I just don't like you. Um, well, you bring up that's you that's a good me. point, man. Like, um, concern, and it's a thing, like, I alluded to it before, talking to my buddy, and they're like, hey, just remind me of the stuff that I missed, and that's why I love hanging out with people like this. It's like, if you just hang out with that same crowd, you're never going to get better, right? You got to hang out with people right. that think differently or, you know, are above you, right. more or less, in other ways. And so I'm, I'm talking to these guys, and it's like, we're too worried about what's going on at the national level. Like I'm guilty of this. I'm the like poster child. of it. I literally say FJB, like at the end of every video and stuff, like I'm so guilty of focusing my energy and annoyance on one individual. It's like, yeah, they suck, but like, it's not like the thing that the left has is those people are going to go out and going to get people to vote or, or they're going to go out and march in the street. Whether we agree with it or not, they're literally taking it upon themselves. What are well, Republicans or conservatives doing? They're relying on yeah. other people. It's like you are the person that has to do the change. It's not anyone else. It has well, to be and, us. And, you, you know, in pointing that out, you're exactly right. I'll, I'll up the ante a little bit because – you're pointing out what we see, right? That That's what we see. So as conservatives, like we watch the news and we're stuck in this 24 hour news cycle. Lo and behold, man, like, like the militant left does not watch the 24 hour news cycle. They don't give a shit. Like the, the, that's why the ratings for CNN are like non-existent. That's why the ratings for MSNBC are honestly not, great either um that They're some of that's a little bit inflated. yeah 
Like they they really don't the left, the militant left, like not I'm not talking about like, you know, the, the queen of the Lincoln Tunnel, Jojo from Jurors and, and like uh, you know, that whole crowd. I ain't talking about them. They ain't the militant left. Those are just paid shills. Okay, I'm talking about your 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 actual Antifa John Brown Gun Club, Redneck Revolt. The ones that don't realize they're going to get sold out first as soon as all this goes right. out. And, yeah. and they, they don't. The, these are actually your hardened communist revolutionaries, right? What are they doing, though? It, it's very interesting. And, and you already pointed it out. They don't really care about national-level politics because to them, and, and I know a lot about them, uh, particularly their their operations here in North Carolina, and they don't really care about national level stuff because it's irrelevant. The revolution for them will come, right? It's going to come, but it's what they're doing now, right? And they're they're building up to that. So, what what are they doing? And it's very interesting because you talked about building that infrastructure and being being a part of the people and everything and them hosting needle exchanges. OK, so like, let's think about this as conservatives. We recoil from that. We're like, oh, shit. Oh, I mean, I ain't, first of all, heroin addicts. Hell no, I ain't dealing with you like you, you ain't nobody degenerate. I don't want to deal with you. Ain't I wrong when you say that? But you got to see the world through their eyes. They're not looking at it like, hey, this guy is a whatever, or, you know, I'm, I'm not trying to treat him for his addiction. I'm recruiting him because now if I set up a needle exchange, now he's going to keep coming to me and to keep that mind. going right now. I'm going to say, oh, now I can use you for other support. It's functions. all a dependency. It's a it's a resource coercive. Thing. Like it's always it all is always that way. But it's a funny thing. It's like that's that that um, sleight of hand, if you will, of of what is going on. It's like it's so easy to get caught up over here and what's really important yep. over here, or or this is the motivating factor. But you you're you're thinking it's this over here and it has nothing to do with that. You're just lost in the sauce, and that's where all the I, propaganda and all the stuff comes to play. And it's like even the stuff. It's not even blatant open propaganda. It's like those, you know, and, and all not to divulge into this because that's a whole separate thing, but it's like the anti-Semitism thing. I tell myself all the time, it's like if I say the word Jew, even if I'm praising somebody who is Jewish, I immediately my tendency is to be like, oh, I'm, I sound like I should say that quieter. It's like, why? It's just innately put there like this is bad. You don't do that. And it's like this whole thing, it's, there's so much pre-programming. There's so much propaganda. It's like whatever's happening seems like, and maybe it's just a product of the times. I feel like whatever we're building up towards, I never, I never thought it would be as serious and as building up to whatever's going to happen as it has been. It seems like the anticipation right. just grows and grows and grows. Well, it does. And, and the thing is, is that what a lot of people don't understand, and something that I always come back to, is that revolutions are made of economics. They're made and broken of economics. You know, counter-revolutions 
are made and broken of economics. And, you know, you take, for example, uh, Che Guevara's failed revolution in Bolivia. Why did the revolution in Cuba work when he followed the same model in Bolivia? Why didn't it work there? And he ended up, you know, leaving uh, Bolivia a whole head shorter. You know, why why did it not work there? Why did communist revolution not work there? And it had to do with economics. The economics didn't support it. It was just, hey, you know, like maybe the ruling party in power is is not cool with with the population. But at the same time, you know, your answer isn't any better. And uh, get a little allergy thing going on. But um, it isn't any better. Your answer isn't any better. And so it's not feasible at this point. And so really where we are in America is that Antifa has been kept on a short leash for the most part. There's there's a relationship, you know, and and this is something that's really hard for certain figments of the right to understand, especially the older generations on the right. They don't really see it because they they haven't interacted with it. They think that uh, Antifa is this homogenous thing. And now, like the the predominant thought online is like Antifa is is all feds and stuff, which is equally as ridiculous because I've interacted with these people at the street level, and so I'm telling you, man, that that's that that's not really accurate to say. It, it's it's actually something way worse than that. They have handlers for sure. They have people that are embedded with them. They have infiltrators with them, just like they do on the right, man. You know, Proud Boys. You know, as we know now, uh, Oath Keepers. You know. Patriot Front, which is something I don't even want to get into on this podcast, but they, <laughs> yeah, like every every one of those groups, yeah, you can expect infiltration at some point or another, right? Okay, it comes with the territory. It's just going to, it, you accept it and move on. Like you, you mitigate as much as you can and move forward, right? But what, what I'm getting at is, is that Antifa knows all that too. And they're kept on a short leash because they have a, a, an alliance out of convenience right now that they have legal overhead protection, um, you know, which when when they act outside of the bounds that they are given, the hammer comes down on them. You know, that that crew out of Atlanta, I posted up a link to that uh, earlier today. There's uh, a couple of them charged with domestic terrorism. Hey, they got outside the bounds uh, in Atlanta. And hey. You know, sucks to be you. We're going to feed you to the wolves. You know, enjoy prison life because that's what's going to happen to you. But the thing is, is that they have hardcore communist revolutionaries. They are made up of hardcore communist revolutionaries. And right now, things are convenient for them. Right. They have that overhead cover. It ain't always going to be that way. Right. Right now, they're just convenient because the state has the goals of increasing its power, of justifying its budget. And at some point, they're going to say, hey, now we're going after the militant left. Well, at some, point, have their passes. at some point, people are going to realize that the state can't give them all that they think the state can. When the state can't protect nope. them or the state can't provide them with electricity or information, or whatever it is, there's a whole litany of different resources that it could be, like you alluded to earlier, resources, right? When when that sort of facade 
starts to dwindle and the normie, if you will, is like, what the fuck's going on? And then in comes Krisky in his mask saying, hey, hey, homie, look at this. I can protect your little quick trip because me and all my boys got guns and we shop here all the time. Right. And you love us. So check this out. And then now we're out, right? Like, thank you. We're glad to help. And then they're like, oh, God, Krisky protected me and the state couldn't. And it's like that happens right. enough times. That's what it's going to take. And that's an unfortunate thing. Like, and that's like, it's like a, a reality check for me. Like it's got to get, it's got to get a whole lot worse before anything is even bound to change because it's just the nature of the game on this big of a level. Exactly. Exactly. And and it all revolves around economics. A hundred percent of it. It's one of the classes so, I failed in college. One of the only ones. Mind you. Oh, that in sociology, nonetheless. Oh, <laughs> I can help you out with that one. It's easy. Wait, the, the answer in sociology is always Marx. If if you just always write down <laughs> Marx, you'll get it right every single time. Like you might even get extra credit if you just write down Marx over and over again. Marx and Gramsci, Antonio Gramsci. It's, but uh, you know. The, the, get back to the the economics because uh, Marx, believe it or not, Marx was an economist. A lot of people think that he, you know, they, they know him for communism, but uh, he was he was an economist. Yeah, it, it's. But you're exactly right. It, and you know, my experience in Iraq was very similar to to that concept of hey, I can provide you with protection, and you know, in, in economic downturn. Who else is going to protect you, though? You know, I mean, early mafia history, uh, early America with the uh, influx of, of um, uh, different groups from Europe, you know, most notably uh, Ireland and Italy, but also uh, a Jewish population that came in uh, into in New York in, in the 1800s and migrated, you know, across the United States. Every one of these groups had their own mafia set up uh, russian immigrants also uh, you know very very notorious and and that's something that like people outside of new york and specifically uh new york city and like manhattan outside of that culture that's something that, that people don't even know is that the russian mafia has and they own a huge swath of property in manhattan like people people don't know that and um it's but it, anyway, to your point, though, like, as you say, you know, you come into the uh, gas station owner and be like, look, man, you know, I can provide you security. I can provide you stability. And all you got to do is keep the lights on here and kick me back a little on the side. Hey, you know, you're an agent of stability at that point. And you're somebody that they're going to look to like, hey, you not you might not be the official part of the law. But you're certainly somebody that's keeping the lights on, and so therefore we're going to tolerate you. you know? well, and that's twofold. something that a lot of people don't get. It's twofold. You got the um, like the part that I started off with. You can't have that ability unless you have these relationships. Like unless the populace see you and they're like, oh, that's the guy who comes in. He's been coming in here. Like he's he's not obviously a baddie right like he lives here we've seen him he pays he doesn't steal shit from us right like okay cool or he comes in here and oh he he knows that guy well that guy's a sheriff's deputy 
and they're together, okay, we can trust him, right? Like that sort of thing. If you don't have that in advance, at minimum, like none of this matters, right? right? So those relationships, that that building of your quote unquote tribe or just not even that, just people skills at a base level, that's huge. The second thing is, and you more or less kind of outlined it, at the end of the day, you know, how do we do this? It comes down to regular people being affected. The, no, the the majority of people are not going to side with you or a cause until they're affected. So they have to be affected by this. They have to be driven by a select few who are willing to do certain things. How does that work? Well, maybe coordinated small groups of individuals take charge in whatever they're doing with all of this behind them, the momentum of change with these relationships, and they have a little area that they help protect and they reach out to. What is that similar to? Like a mafia, like a gang. How does that even work? Well, the gangs have like territory, don't they? So you have to have like an area. So it's sort of like states or counties and shit, right? Like it's just when you, these, you're not coming in here and messing because this is, you know, this county or this little group protecting it. And what does that even mean? It means you're going to protect everything within this border. And then if everyone does that and it just kind of continues, that's how this whole system more or less fights back with the coercion or not coercion more or less, but the, the support of the, the majority. And it, right. uh, but in a, uh, I don't even want to say revolutionary way, but in like a, like we don't need the state like the, you know, going back to what this whole freedom thing is to begin with. Right. Like it sucks, but it's to mitigate the power. It's to mitigate that power. Like centralize all of it and realize for the regular person, they don't need them. We are the power. It is us. Exactly. Exactly. Amen, brother. Well, coming in on one hour, man, we, we could certainly go a hell of a lot longer, but I think that that would be best kept for other podcasts because I got a feeling, I got a sneaky suspicion that you're going to be a regular guest in the rotation as well as uh, up on Sons of Liberty as well. Because I think uh, there, there's a couple of hosts on Sons of Liberty that, that you are going to be in like Flint with. And I, I can't it, wait. I can't wait for this conversation on the air. I think that we're gonna we're we we've got some good things going on, man. Dude, it's been we've an got honor. Some good vibes. I've been listening to you for a long time. So just being here talking to you, it's uh pretty cool. I appreciate it. Right on, brother. Right on. Well, hey, the best is yet to come. Oh anyhow, with that said, folks. God bless all of you. Thank you for being here with us, brother. Thank you for being on with us this evening. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. God bless, and I will talk to all of you again very, very soon. This is NC Scout, out.